What's up, Schmodown fans? This is the Schmodown Rundown. What's up, guys? And we are covering the Battlefield pay-per-view event that just took place mere moments ago. And if you watched it live, well, then tonight you saw how the sausage was made. And, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. But Brad Gimler could not make it tonight. What a night he missed. But we do have PJ Campbell in the house. PJ, how you doing, man? Hey, man, it was a hell of an event. We got to witness some pretty crazy stuff, not just behind the scenes. We had four spinners choices hit in one event, which yeah. is next level. I've never seen anything quite like it, but I'm doing well, man. I'm glad to be back here with you. Um, it's always an honor to like fill in for Brad and just talk Schmodown with you. Yeah, well, I, I love talking a lot of different topics with you and yeah. uh, whether it's movies, uh, Schmodown. I mean, that's how it all started. So, I mean, why not have you on here uh, filling in for Brad? I can't really think of anyone better. I've been looking. No, no disrespect to you, but I have been looking for other people. I there's just no that's one. All right. No one compares. No one compares. Hey, man, so, I'll take that as the nicest of compliments. We're we're starting 2021 strong with like we're all starting to get vaccinated. So let's throw love to each other too and be like, there's no one quite like your friends. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know. We also we had the Battlefield event tonight, but earlier in the day we had we saw Paul Preston and James White go at it, and that was a hell of a hell of a match. So if um, you know you haven't seen that match, you haven't seen Battlefield yet, um, you know we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about the results. Uh, if you were looking at the screen, wrong overlay was up there, but it's not, and even still the byline there kind of gives it away as well. So don't look there as well but you probably are now because i directed attention to it, and that's kind of how psychology works i think that's what i hear that's what i hear <laughs> yeah um but it was it was a great event and um along with the events and the matches we did get some other scenes uh today especially with that paul preston match uh, the james white match and then we had another one kind of kick off battlefield as well so we'll talk about those um but i think what we need to do is start off with the main event so look here it is. Spoiler alert for you audio listeners, at the very least, if you're tuning in. And if you're kind of joining in here late on the video side of things, again, spoiler warning, we're talking about everything that has happened um, publicly and in the pay-per-view. So if you don't want to be spoiled, uh, get out now and come back later. Or if you just don't care, stick around. We're more than happy to have you. And so here we go. The first match, well, the first match we're going to talk about is Ben Bateman and Mark Riley. There's the final on the screen. I won't read it just yet, but leading up to this this match, um, PJ, what was your uh, level of anticipation to see Ben Bateman and Mark Riley finally go head to head after their uh, somewhat tenuous split at the end uh, of last season? I mean, look, there's a reason that we love this game is because of guys like Riley, right? And he's been here for so long. He's been there since the beginning. And then Bateman, who is just a force to be reckoned with, to see them who played so well together and then kind of fall apart last season in the teams and then at spectacular for them to split apart. And you could just feel the t that palpable tension. I was so excited to see what it was going to be like to see them in the ring together again, um, especially because Riley on a great day is dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and he can go toe to toe with someone like Bateman. And tonight actually proved like he is able to go toe to toe with people with one of the great competitors that the league has seen right now in Ben Bateman. Yeah, I think tonight's this match. I mean, tonight's both matches tonight, and, and looking at how the first rounds went, how the second rounds went, I think um, I think we saw a lot of these, a lot all these players 
near full strength. And, you know, a lot of that has to deal with how well these players typically and normally do in the first round. And then everyone got to pick a category tonight in the second round. That's yeah. just, that, that's what happened. Unreal. Uh, so, yeah. So for the first two rounds, it was really kind of almost max performance from all of these competitors. And it was, and it was, a lot of it was high and some of it was in between. Uh, we'll get into that. But um, uh, my level of anticipation for this match between Bayman and Riley uh, was pretty high because of a lot of things you said, and Bateman is gone back to his, I guess, action type of days. And in Riley, he's always been such a professional and stand-up player in this league that he, I mean, he's had he has a very storied history with the Schmodown, stemming yep. back from 2014, being that first champion uh, that we ever crowned, and and then he repeated again in the Collider era. And so, and then he goes on this run with Bateman, kind of a, a new school type of player at that time. So, and he's been through it all, the, the, all the iterations of the Four Horsemen or whatever. And then now he's kind of in this new era of his career in the Schmodown. And now he's with the Den and Kate. So, um, also, I think I wanted to see how Riley would interact with somebody outside of who he's been interacting for seemingly the past four or five years, which is, you know, Roca, Bateman, Merle, Gucci, all of those. And now he's with the Den and, and that crew over there. But Ben Bateman, you know, going back to his action type of ways and being a teammate of Dan Merle, Kaiser, that whole kind of vibe over there, I felt like, yeah, we're going to see something a little bit similar. But it's 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 nice to go back and revisit that type of character that he, that he brings. So, totally. Um, when you bring these two players together and their history and all of that, it, it really did make for a hype match for me. And I think, for the most part, it delivered on that. And so let me just get into the breakdown here, PJ. First round, really, actually, you know, I want to start Oof. with this first question, the rom-coms uh, question. Riley misses it. Uh, what was that question? Um, um, I can tell you. Give me just half a second. Yeah, I, I believe it was. The question I, writer. So. That's what they tell me. Um, <laughs> their first question was, which actress co-starred in the rom-coms forgetting Sarah Marshall and Friends yes. with Benefits? Yeah, and he uh, said Kristen Bell, not Mila Kunis, and Bateman got it. So one nil and i go oh boy okay that's not a, what you want to do when you start off a match against anybody let alone a guy who's been you know nipping at your heels for basically the past well at least the off season a little bit of last season. right so uh but riley pretty much writes the ship there bateman flirts with a perfect round until that last teen wolf 2 pj teen you... wolf 2 <laughs> i was i specifically wrote down a note teen wolf 2 question mark exclamation point question mark exclamation 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 so a little bit of backstage info yeah. for you on that question um i had actually changed it i think like last night or the night before because i was running questions and i was like one of the things i have fun with is sitting down and i try to do like a curveball a match during round one I, I think it's fun. And so I had a teen wolf question and I was sitting there looking at it and I was talking to a couple of people and I was like, wouldn't it be fun if I put it like you read it off, like you're thinking about the first teen wolf, but then you toss in that it's teen wolf too. Yeah. Yeah. And you just throw the curveball, and it was just enough. Now the answer was Jason Bateman. Correct. We had a player in this match called Ben Bateman. You mean to tell me there's no correlation there? I, I uh, <laughs> it was just it just it just happened to fall that way. I can't believe 
that Ben Bateman didn't get a Jason Bateman question. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I, I texted you when it happened. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that really just happened. So, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. You know, the cap off uh, the first round here, as Jeremy Miller says in the chat. Oh, thanks. Um, I definitely agree. Um, let's see here. Uh, Brinjar. <laughs> What's up, the, Brinjar? Uh, 1,000. Uh, Icelandic dollars, that's what we're going with, Brinjar. Uh, he says, you would think Bateman would know all the questions about Bateman. And you would think he would, you know, you would think his ego would allow for such information to be prevalent in that mind of his. But no, not not in this instance, Brinjar. So uh, thanks for the super chat. Um, into yeah. round two, though, uh, Bateman defers. Riley spins and he ends up on Spinner's Choice and he elects for a newer category on the wheel, Superman movies. Uh, this is a slice I believe is also available in Inner Geekdom. That right? it is. This is an Inner Geekdom slice. However, in singles, it's toned down from its Inner Geekdomness, uh, right? So, yeah. um, but if anybody who follows Mark Riley or has followed his work for and for even like a week, uh, if you just found him out, and you would know that this guy is a massive fan of Superman. So for him to take the Superman slice was pretty much a no-brainer. And uh, he does what I think everyone expected him to do and just <laughs> Thanks, destroy Mark. that uh, that category. PJ, I know, I know you, were, I know you're laughing. Yeah, so, I saw Mark's comment. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. PJ isn't wearing a cool horror no, but movie it's, quality. Uh, it is an imposter. Yes, you are very sus right now, PJ. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> who are you? Are you, in fact, Patrick Campbell? I don't know. Uh, that's what they tell me. Okay. Um, absolutely, Mark. Uh, thanks for the show. Hey, and, uh, hey, can yeah. I just say real quick, like, Mark Ellis is a national treasure, and I thought that he and Christian both handled themselves very well through a couple of real weird technical snafus tonight. Like, stuff happens, and, yeah. um, you know, it's, we're doing it all live, and we've had people who were like, is it live? Well, you saw it tonight. It was definitely live. <laughs> oh, it but- was live. In the most painful way. <laughs> I thought both of them handled themselves very, very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, even, you know, look, and, stuff happens. It's show business. And, and, and to that point, and we can, we can move off. I don't want to dwell on it too much. But um, Bateman and Riley, during what had happened, truly showing the, the consummate professionals that they are in, in that type of scenario. So as, as well as everybody else. Um, but more so um, Riley and Bateman having – because they're in it. They're in the match, and you get all this stuff going on, and you're like, "All right, we got to do what we got to do to, um, you know, to make it work." Yeah. So, uh, hats off to those guys for uh, their professionalism, as well as a fantastic match that we're just about to kind of wrap up here. Because in that third round, um, well, actually, we got to get to Bateman's second round. I forgot he gets he also gets Spinner's Choice, yep. and he elects to go Tyler Perry. I mean, the brass ones on this guy. Um, the fact Wait, that he did this, yeah, again. Oh, that's what I want to know. What did, what did you think when he ultimately pulled the trigger on Tyler Perry? Um, I thought, you crazy, crazy fool, but how brilliant. <laughs> to be like, coming back in, he was like, I started last season with Tyler Perry. I'm going to start this season again with Tyler Perry. And it's a bold move, man, especially because people know that – he, st- you know, obviously he went perfect last time through it too. Yeah. So to see it on the wheel, you had to think that he must still be paying attention to Tyler Perry at least. If he's going to use it, him. I mean, good for him, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
real quick before we move off of here. 70 millimeter, I think that's what his handle is. Yeah, 70 millimeter. $2 super chat. Ben was a Teen Wolf 2 away from 100, uh, 100%, yeah, 100% uh, accuracy and sure. PPE. Right. If he had gotten that correct, because uh, that was the last question in round one, he got wrong. He ran the table in round two, and he answered his two and three in that final round correct. So, yeah, that's that one question. Um, however, we don't know if he would have got the bonus point. So there is that, that, because that does count. You got to answer everything that's asked to you. I had someone um, DM me about um, uh, Roka's performance. And do do steals count in terms of accuracy and PPE? Yes, they do. I I count it. Um, Someone else out there keeping track of stats may not, and that's fine. But that's just the way I've been doing it pretty much since day one. So um, that's where all that stands. Um, All right, yeah, but round three and – you know, Riley, he's only trailing by one here. It's been a tight match. Uh, it's been a great match up to this point. And his two-pointer in the category of uh, biopics, and it's who plays Capote. Um, and he does not get Philip Seymour Hoffman. It seems like when he's told that's the answer, his brain, he goes, of course, Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman. That was, that was pretty, um, as, as a fan of this match, it was pretty tough to see Riley um, miss on that question because that could have really changed a lot of things uh, for this final round. Well, and not just that, too. Like, he he pulled Toby Jones because there was two Capote films, like, yeah. right around the same time, and Toby Jones's was a much smaller film, and so to pull that was so surprising, and I was like, I mean, it's a good guess because you're in the ballpark, but unfortunately, no dice. Right, I think that's kind of the... I mean, if that's the first guy that pops into your head... Maybe, but yeah. also in the in the in the framework of our game, it's a two pointer. So maybe the one that's a little bit more, perhaps widely totally. known. I think that's where that comes into play. But I mean, yeah, it was just maybe also hearing the question as well is is, is a big part of the game. You hear a lot of players actually this season harp on really listening to the questions, and sometimes if you're not really locked in or focused, um, you might mishear a word or a name or what have you. And you can pull out a different name as opposed to the correct answer. So a real tough spot for Riley to be in after that. But he bounces back, hits his three, and then we have to go back to uh, Bateman. He hits his two and his three, and ultimately Riley comes down to Riley's five remakes and reboots. Uh, That question escapes me, PJ, if you have it on hand. I do. I have it. Give me just a second. The question was, in remakes and reboots, what 2014 remake of a 1980s romance film stars Gabriella Wilde, Alex Pettifer, and Bruce Greenwood? I'm not going to lie. I've only heard of one of those names, (laughs) Bruce Greenwood. Everybody else, I was like, I don't know. Remake, what? I don't Pet- know. Pettifer right around that time was doing a lot of YA stuff. Mm. And I think, he, was it I am number four? Like he, he had done a quite a bit that at one point he was like a shooting star that sputters out very quickly. I mean, I, and I say that as someone who, who is not competitive in the movie trivia showdown. So yep. um, when I hear something like that, I go, <laughs> I have no, it's romance. It's a re- yeah. Forget about it. Um, so for me, that's like, that's like an 80 pointer. Um, but so that's I think it, you know, it was a great five pointer nonetheless. And, um, you know, Riley just comes up short against Bateman and it, the final there, you see it on the screen, 20 to 17 and Bateman's PPE, or uh, accuracy and PPE there, 93, 95% Riley answering 73% in this match. You know, he went 11 of 15. So, and two of those misses come in the final round and, 
if you want to win these big high profile matches, you gotta, you know, hit these five pointers and twos, yeah. you know, I mean like this isn't the first two someone's missed. You know, people have missed threes a lot this season. So yeah. these misses are happening all over the place in, in the final round. And I don't think it's as telegraphed, if that's the right word. I don't think that's the right word, but it's not as telegraphed as it was in years past where it's like almost automatic. Everyone's gonna hit a two. Right. Eighty, ninety percent of people are gonna hit their three, and then the five is always the crapshoot. It's very varied uh, in this final round this year. People hitting twos, missing threes, um, hitting their fives, but maybe missing their twos. And it's just kind of all over the place. I see um, some people in the chat asking, was it a TKO? It was not a TKO. Um, that just kind of – I think it will become a little bit clearer once you watch on the replay how everything folds out. So I'm not going to get too deep into – what transpired just knowing just know that it was not a tk i was keeping track of the match the whole time yeah and um, because bateman had to answer his two and his three so there's no tko yeah. on the board yeah even just having to answer the two like yeah you know right there because once he once because once riley hits the three it goes back to bateman because it's right. tied and so um no matter what there goes the tko and all that so um but any final thoughts, BJ, on this match between these two guys? No, man. Uh, look, I'll say this. Riley played pretty well for himself. Again, the Toby Jones pool, like, it wasn't right, but it was a good pool. Um, I thought that he did very well once he got comfortable. He ran Superman. He proved, once again, why he was always going to be one of the legends of the game. But Ben Bateman is no one to, you know, mess with, man. Dude is just good at what he does. Yeah, Um Bateman, he, he really attacks it, uh, the game in a tactful way. He tries to really um, economize his time and his approach to what yep. he's studying and who he's playing as well. And so, um, you know, Jen kind of asking him there in the post-match, you know, you play this way. Why? Why do it? And pretty much the plain answer is I get results. hundred you know, percent. You got a big result tonight and – He's just one more step closer to contending for a, a singles title belt. As for Mark Riley, I think very solid showing. You know, you got to, you know, the, the two-point uh, miss there in the final round, that's going to hurt for a little while. But I think he's a smart enough player, and I think he's actually in the right faction for if this was going to happen to him in this fashion. I think he's in the right faction, the right manager, the right group around him to rebound and and – and just again, I think fall fall in love again with the game, having fun. I think that was kind of the message um, that Riley was putting out there with his performance today was just having fun with the match, having fun with the game, um, the whole the whole all the aspects of the Schmetown, just having fun with it. You go out there, put on a show, and, and you know, whatever happens, happens. Winning's great, but as long as you're having fun, that that's yep. the one thing that can help you keep coming back and, and competing, and then then you're picking up big wins from here here and there and and maybe you're in title hunt um in the title hunt some down, somewhere down the line but i really did appreciate riley's approach to this match just a stark contrast to ben bateman's approach and um it's kind of like that in the other match we're about to talk about as well yep i was and i was going to say real quick to your point like i think if more people focused on having fun with the game too they'd relax a little bit and i think that you'd see more of that and i think we're going to talk about it a little bit, but I, you know, I think that with Roca, you could see it too. Yeah. So 
getting into that match right there, so Liz Shannon Miller, John Rocha, they were the undercard for this uh, event, Battlefield, the first one ever. Uh, Liz Shannon Miller comes up just short to John Rocha, 18 to 15. Uh, Liz Shannon Miller answering 75% to John Rocha's 93%. And look, John Rocha, he was he was almost there with that, that perfect game. Um, he had two steal opportunities in the second. He missed his second one, so that does affect his accuracy rate. It does affect his PPE rate. And so, again, 93-90 respectively there. 14 out of 15 questions. Um, we're going to talk about this challenge too, but before that, there was uh, a double Dewberry sighting, the second one was. of the day. Second one of the day, and uh, it was a hell of a first round. I think both players going 9 for 9, um, I think – was something that a lot of people were anticipating, or a nine to eight, or eight to seven, nine to seven. I think we were expecting someone to go perfect here. They delivered on that. Um, and uh, let me just tell you, Liz Shannon Miller is such a treat and a joy to watch in this game. Could not agree um, more. It's just very refreshing whenever she pops up in a match, and I go, okay, I'm glad because a lot of these players we were just talking about a second ago can be very intense and, and really honed in and. Then there's players like Liz Shannon Miller who are a little bit loose and can play really well, and that helps them. And I think a lot of that has to do with when she was with Swag and carrying over to this year with Sam now, kind of running with that torch with Liz. Um, she she was playing great. She felt really, she seemed really comfortable for a majority of the night, um, given who she was playing. John Roca, who's really intense, and sometimes that works for players. Um, PJ, talk to me about the contrast between. Liz Shannon Miller and John Roca as players in their approach. I mean, look, um, Roca has been in the game a long time, and he is someone who is very serious. He he learned a lot from Bateman, I think. I think that the two of them come from similar places. Like, they care about the game. They care about the wins. Liz is someone who I think comes in just to have fun, and I think that that is what has set her apart from a lot of others. She always seems very calm which actually I think is what changes in round two and we'll get to it, but she's always a very specific level of calm. On the other hand, I actually found that's how Roka normally isn't tonight. He was, he was very calm for the most part and he came in wanting to have fun. I think he took, he took a little bit out of the books of people trying to lay back. We heard Dame Alonta say the same stuff recently. Exactly. Try to have fun with the game. Let the questions come to you because if you're having fun and you sit back and you're not getting in your own head, you're a lot more clear, and that's really important. Yeah, I think this approach of where these formerly intense players kind of loosening up a little bit is going to be beneficial because I think players who've been playing this game for a number of seasons and years, uh, I think, realized that being wound so tight for 11 months of the year just isn't feasible you gotta you gotta loosen up you gotta have some fun with the game and just kind of you know go with the flow in in some instances and i thought john roca's approach here was he came in as the typical you know um patented outlaw that we've seen in the past yep. uh, but he had a little bit of um um deference to, towards Liz Shannon Miller and her abilities and really respecting her abilities. And I think now that Roca is more of the head of the Finstock Exchange along with the Agnino, I think it makes him feel more empowered to play both sides and not have to be so, I think, perhaps 
pigeonholed as one type of character in the faction when he had to deal with Merle, Bateman, and Riley, mm-hmm. and Gucci. And then here comes Barbarian. You know, so I think it is probably a pretty good thing that he's not surrounded by all of that. I think he can just play more free, more loose, and still be the old outlaw that we know and love, but yep. still deliver on still deliver elite performances. What he was still doing last year, just didn't get the W's, but this year he's gonna get the, he got the W tonight. And it was a fantastic performance. Shouldn't be too shocking to really uh, anybody out there who's been following uh, the showdown closely and his level of play. Uh, I talked about this last night with Brad on the rundown. I was like, look, yeah, he may have gotten the Ws, but he's still playing at elite levels. He just was playing Ethan Irwin. He was playing Adam Collins. You know, he talked about that in his in his pre-match stuff. So he played tough players. He played another tough player tonight, but he came out ahead and. Let's get into this second round because this is where really things get interesting. Very. Roka, he, he lands on well, he lands on Romcom, spins away, gets spinners, and then takes sports, runs the table. That's a big deal because he just had nine points in the first round, follows up with a solid eight. Liz Shannon Miller has no opportunities to steal. Liz, her very first spin, she gets spinners and opts to go with DreamWorks, kind of a newer category uh, yeah, for the week. New this season. New this season. Yeah. So interesting. And she gets the first question right, checks multiple choice on that first on the second question, gets it wrong. Roka picks it up for a steal. Then we get to question number three, PJ, and this is the Kung Fu Panda uh, snafu, if you the will. Kung Fu Panda snafu. <laughs> and um, this one, Roka in the moment, I think felt like it should have been ruled differently, but I think it was handled properly by Ellis Harloff and, and yourself. Um, in this process because from what I was watching, Mark Ellis is awaiting the answer from Liz Shannon Miller. She says, she I can exactly, I can exactly hear it correctly or clearly on the watching it live. I didn't really know what she said. And so when Ellis asked for the, to repeat it, I go, yeah, cause I didn't hear it. And then she, and then she said something to the effect, Oh, what I meant was, and that was, I was like, Oh boy, she's changing her answer. You can't do mm-hmm. that. And so, and then Roka kind of interjects there to wants wants a challenge. He doesn't want her to say the the answer, I guess, or what she what was presumably going to be the answer at that point, which I understand. However, she needs to be allowed to play out her question and her answer. Um, that's just how it's going to go. Um, and I understand, like. The part of he wants it because he can get the two points, but there is the process that has. It's kind of, you know, the whole NFL, the process of a catch. It's the process of an answer, and I think the way you guys ruled it was proper. It was proper um, how it how it ultimately um, laid out. I think it ended up being the best of both worlds because as the situation got very muddy and the answers already floating around at that point. It was better to, you know, pull back, talk it through. She admitted she said the wrong thing. And for us to go, look, the answer's already floating outside. Yeah. Roka needs to get a new question. But, you know, just to keep it fair, he can still get the steal. But it, I think that was the best option at the time. Yeah, and I think the other the aspect to this kind of situation was that she said, okay, so I didn't quite hear her say Kung Fu Panda 3, neither did Mark Ellis. Yes, there's a repeat. And then... You know, by saying Kung Fu Panda 2, I meant Kung Fu Panda Kung Fu Panda 2. Yeah, that's going to 
even if you didn't know Kung Fu Panda 2, I mean, that's automatically going to raise the challenge flag. And right. Like, okay, you, you can't do that. And so, and she was truthful in it, and that's just the type of player and person that Liz Shannon Miller is. And I understand Roka trying to get those two points. Um, I understand. You're going to try and fight for that. But at the end of the day, I think it was correctly ruled. Uh, it was all handled. And look, he got kind of more of a, I don't want to say a more of a, he got just as equally uh, appropriate question um, delivered to him that yes, like ninety percent of the chat knew. <laughs> um, so I, I, he did not get boned in this situation. If you're a fan of Roka, he he did not um, get screwed or whatever. I think it was properly handled all the way around. So that's just what happens digitally online. Yeah. You know, connections and whatnot. Um, just kind of the space that we're in right now, digital space that we're in, that we have to deal with this stuff and. And we you know, do what we can, man. Yeah. Like I think that we, as a show, have handled it very well over the last year and several months at this point. So you know, get, give everyone credit where credits due, man. This hasn't been easy, but we've we've traversed it. Yeah, and so with all that said, though, I think uh, I think you're about you kind of alluded to this, PJ, that the second round kind of I rattled Liz a little bit. You know, she only got two out of the four questions, picked up uh, four points there, uh, gave up a one point steal. Um, you know, luckily Rook was not able to steal um, on that on that third question, um, but because and then that just kind of kept some life in the game for Liz, and so she's heading heading into that final round down five points, eighteen to thirteen. Right. She hits her two, then misses the three and misses the five. And I'll tell you, I was not anticipating John Roca TKOing Liz Shannon Miller. I thought it was going to go down to the fives. That just tells you that you can't really predict this stuff at all. Um, you know, I didn't think John Roca was going to get TKO by Adam Collins last season. No. That happened. So it, it's just – and everyone gets TKO. I mean, Bibiani's been TKO'd, I think, three times in his career. Dan Merle has been TKO'd twice, you know. Um, Paul Oyama, I mean, he was knocked out in a title match. Like, crazy things happen. And so when this when this pops up, you go, oh, man, that's, that's kind of a bummer. But – those that first round and I mean the first two rounds were just crazy, you yeah. Know, with everything going on, answering the questions, the challenge, all of that, and then Liz, you know, just kind of couldn't quite uh, pull it out. At least forcing Roka to answer some third round questions, which would have been interesting to see uh, John do. But perhaps that happens in his next match, whoever that may be against. Right. Um, PJ, just what are your overall thoughts on kind of how Liz maneuvered that second round? um overall and what did it what do you think it ultimately did for her in this match so ultimately i think she did very well she hit spinners she went through dreamworks and she was trying her best to traverse it but i think once that challenge happened there's a flip and this is exactly kind of what i was talking about as you watch the very calm version of liz that we knew kind of dissipated because i think she got caught up in that moment of the challenge going that way the way that everything played out and i think her head got clouded and, you know, she gets the last couple of points, but I think from there, she never quite recovered. It was kind of similar to Riley on the two point question. Like, I think that once that happened, yeah. there that little flip where you start to get in your head, you're getting a little nervous, you can't get it out. And especially because she is the higher ranked player, I think that most people had her going through. A lot of people had already counted Roka out, but he came to play, man. Yeah, I mean, and, and Liz has only played in a handful of matches in her young career, so... Um, she hasn't seen it all yet. She hasn't gone through 
um, you know, some of these different types of situations where you're going ups and downs. You have a perfect first round, but then you only pull out four points going on, on two questions, you know, two answers in the second round. Totally. Uh, that's, you know, peaks and valleys. And you could only learn to weather that type of, you know, that type of thing by playing more in the game and encountering, you know, these types of situations that you just can't prepare for in mock in mock matches and whatnot. So I think this is a tremendous learning experience for Liz in terms of how to navigate um, your emotions and, and, and stay and stay relatively calm and focused in these situations. So I think it's going to serve her well. And I think Roka's right. He very well may see her down the line, whether it's a tournament or in another title hunt picture, whether it's teams or singles. I think um, even if she does play, well, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about that. So um, it, it's it, it was a great match even though it ended in a TKO. Um, but, man, it, it was um, it was a hell, of a hell of a match and a big win for John. And with John winning tonight and Bateman winning tonight, you know, you saw their post-match stuff. So if they run into each other, I mean, that's going to be absolute bananas. Um, and I'm here for it, PJ. I mean, I'm here for it too, man. Look, it's a, never a bad day to see those two going toe-to-toe, right? Oh, yeah. I mean... And it's a grudge match. There's there's a grudge match here. And this is now going to be the second grudge match in a way that Bateman's kind of been involved in. Yes. Um, Bateman, you know, he also was called out by another gentleman earlier in the day. So let's get into that match. Let's do it. And that would be Paul Preston and James White. Now, this match... Heck ooh, of a match, man. This heck. was a hell of a match, BJ. Um, again... This is the first double Dewberry of the day, both going nine for nine with that bonus. Um, Paul Preston, he lands on Emily Blunt in that second round. He goes three of four for six points. James White, he initially lands on 70s, goes, let me spin that again. Hit 70s again. Um, is only to manage to pick up four points, plus that one-point steal he was able to take from Paul Preston. Um, but, however, Paul Preston was able to take that steal right back on James White's first question and then added to it on the last question of James White's second second round. So now Paul Preston is up 17 to 14. I mean, this match just really flipped really quickly in favor of Paul Preston once James White hit 70s uh, finally. Because um, up to this point, both were playing stellar. I mean, James stole a question. Uh, Paul Preston, again, solid second round. But once 70s hit for James White, you go, how is he going to get out of this one? And 70s is a broad category, man. Yeah. Like, you know, that's the thing. And especially James, he's a younger individual in the league. Like, he is still figuring film out in a lot of ways. And you never know what 70s is going to be. Like, those decade ones are basically a mixed bag of everything that happened within 10 years. So you're you're hoping that you've studied enough that you might come up on some of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, like you got the the young Frankenstein question in there. And I was like, I know that one. I know that. One. I know. I know Gene Wilder. I know it's Frankenstein, but um, which is also one of my favorite movies. Oh, yep. we got a Korg in yeah. the picture there. I differ. What's up? You have something to say? Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but um, so yeah, going to that final round, seventeen to fourteen, down three points. Not terrible for uh, James White to be in that position. Not ideal either. Um, but he did. Uh, sorry, James White ends up hitting his two and his three to send it back to Paul Preston. You know, he hits his two and his three. And James White, um, tough five-pointer, a 1950-something musical. Yep. Ooh. Oh, boy. I mean, he was close with kind well, of... He, 
and he was going back and forth. I've talked to yeah. him since. He was going back and forth between the two. He was in the right ballpark. He just went one over the other, and yeah. that was all she wrote. Yeah, I mean, you look at on the day, James White only missed three questions. Uh, 17, 82% accuracy, um, earning 68% of his points. But Paul Preston, 16 of 17, that's an accuracy rate of 94%, earning 92% of his available points. Um, Just a very pro, very elite performance from Paul Preston here. I mean, that certainly has to wash out the bad taste he had in his mouth from last season, PJ. Um, I think everyone was like Paul Preston is going to be a great player in this league. It didn't quite pan out last year, last season, losing to Zipper. Um, but this performance, is this the Paul Preston that that is the one that we're going to see uh, for the rest of the year? This is the Paul Preston that we've all been waiting to see rise from the ashes. And I think that he is very much on his way to just trying to mow through everyone in his path. He's a smart dude. Yeah, Pre- And Preston finally came up a- in a place where he was able to get over the hurdles and make it to the end. And I think that that's just going to light that fire in him more because he still has a long time in this league, in my opinion, man, like this dude could have a heck of a run if you just give him the chance. And I think that this was the thing that's going to push him over the top. And speaking of chances, he wants one against Ben Bateman. Yeah. He wants a chance against Ben Bateman. Everyone wants a chance against Ben Bateman. He wants a chance against Ben Bateman. (laughs) Um, uh, because in the offseason, Bateman was talking to Paul Preston and then kind of left him high and dry. So there's a little bit of that. And they're also their previous history with the match. Um, was it two years ago in the tournament? I think it was. Yeah. So um, I mean, the whole Akira Kurosawa stuff and all of that. Um, so there is there is actually a decent amount of history between those two players, believe it or not, um, for a, a myriad of reasons. But this Paul Preston, yes, I've been waiting to see this Paul Preston. And, you know, he didn't get saddled with comic book movies, you know, right. and, and then have, and then scratching his head like, what? So in this match um, against James White, um, you know, he got a, I guess you could say, a, a decently favorable category. Emily Blunt, a new category here, very isolated compared to James White's 70s, which you talked about, just a mixed bag of 10 years of movies. Um, but James White, I think... He also, as much as Paul Preston impressed, I think James White impressed because he, I think he's still trying to work off that that stink of being drafted by Robert Meyer Burnett as high as he did. And it's like, that wasn't a reasonable place to take James White. And James White had to, for better or worse, through no fault of his own, kind of live up to that draft position. And now he doesn't have to worry about that. He got taken super late by corruption in this year's draft. Um, but he comes out with a performance like this, a very tough performance, um, weathering a tough category in the 70s, and only missing three questions. I think people, when they see the you know in their next match, and if it's James White's the person they're going to play, I don't think they're going to be too thrilled about it because of what he did in this match. Well, look, I think at the end of the day, like James still put on a performance that is going to have a lot of people on notice. Like, yeah, not any, not everyone could navigate the stuff that he did the way that he did. He got a steal off of Paul Preston. Like he took it all the way to the five. Not everyone can say that. And so I think that that was still a performance that was worthy of what's going on here, you know? And I think that that, He's going to have a long history here too. I think yeah. that he's still someone who can 
with a little bit of fine tuning and with corruption, we know how they train. Like, you know, we hear the stories. He's the kind of dude who's going to come out sharper for it. And I want to highlight uh, this comment here from Jonathan Curdy because Preston was a free agent and White was a late round draft pick. Pretty great performance by White. Great value for the pick. Yep. Exactly. Because if this is one of like corruption's last couple of picks and this is the type of performance he's putting up from that spot, absolutely great value um, in regards to uh, where he was taken yeah. in the draft. So uh, I'm looking forward to his next match, both of these guys' next match. And, um, you know, it, it should be a lot of fun to see what they can do and and who they team up or who they match up with next. Um, but, you know, to start the day, today, uh, as in Friday, we had um, some scenes here. And, well, let's just say Ben Bateman and... And Dan Merle, they did some bonding, I guess you could say, by prank calling Bobby Gucci. And Dan Merle, um, what's the word? Uh, he he um, he pretends to be Dagnino's or Gucci's or Finstock, whatever the hell his name is. Pretends, pretends to be his parole officer. Yes. And says, look, if you're if I don't see you in 45 minutes, I'm going to count this as a no show and you're back. And I quote, you're going back to the pen. That's what that's what Dan Merle said uh, to Dagnino. And uh, so that was that scene. Right. It was great. Fast forward to the end of the match we just talked about here. Preston and White. End of it is is Gucci all frantic about trying to get to Griffith Park to meet meet up Gene um, at the park. Ooh. Who apparently he may have done things with Gene's sister. Yeah, just typical. And it's really a great scene of, and, and you can see, you know, Gucci kind of running through all these things that he's done. That's you know whatever. Um, so he, he gets to Griffith Park and he can't find his parole officer Gene anywhere. But he ends up finding this bag, and it's and inside there's a card and it's from the dungeon. And they say, "Hey, wear this. This suits you better." And he pulls out a clown uh, wig and outfit. And uh, he's been bamboozled, hoodwinked, hopscotched. And uh, war is upon us between the dungeon and the exchange, PJ. I mean, look, I'm glad to see that this grudge batch is continuing. Yeah. I'm glad to see the fun that they're kind of having with it, too. Um, also, man, I got to say, I got to give it to the team for the way they put this together was really beautiful. Like, this scene is great. And it really hyped up what I've been feeling for this season. It really is war. It really is. And I've just been having so much fun seeing this come together. And to see Bateman and Merle kind of teaming up together to go after Gucci the way they did sets up a really great precedent for when the collision course continues throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, um, if, we, if we're if we going to get prank wars between the exchange and the dungeon, you know, I'm all for it. I know there's like some YouTube channels out there that do that type of stuff, and that sometimes that gets like really extreme. But I'm just looking forward to seeing because there has to be a level of retaliation, right? Some sort of retaliation from the exchange towards the dungeon. I'm looking forward to what that is, and will they be able to pull it off? Because it's you know it's Gucci we're talking about here. 100. You know, is is um. Rick Raddis, one of these other guys that could be involved in some shenanigans because he seems like, you know, um, this is like right up his alley, I think, in terms of his partnership with Gucci and whatever antics they want to get into. Uh, I'm looking forward to all of this stuff. 
Um, it's been a lot of fun so far with these scenes, and this one just kind of takes it up to a, a, a takes it up another notch. And um, I'm just waiting for more hilarity to ensue. What do you think Radis is going to do? I, I just feel like Radis is going to have something happen. I don't know, man. Um, yeah, I mean, the dude is entertaining as hell. I know so that's all I'm saying. I, I, yeah, I'm just going to sit back and wait and see what happens there. Um, because uh, I just have a feeling. Um, it's uh, I have a feeling that it's it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I have hopes uh, for that. Cannot agree more. Um, so. The the one scene that we did go we did get to start off Battlefield was actually uh, Riley getting a video message from the commissioner Clark Wolf. Uh, yes, she is still commissioner. If you're wondering, and it was basically just a, a video of of support for Riley saying, "Look, Bateman's, you know, he's lost his way. We're all here supporting you, and uh, go out there and have fun." Right? That was again the message of have fun with it. Riley took that message, brought it into the match. He certainly had fun. Despite you know um, the outcome for him, um, but it was it's great that that we can see Clark be somewhat visible in the league because there's just there's there's so many people involved in Schmodown, so many different characters and personalities that sometimes you know they kind of get lost in the shuffle. But it's always great when these when these people do pop up, like Clark Wolf. Um, uh, it, it was just great to see. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And it'd been so long since we'd seen Clark. So to see her come back, especially to, you know, reaffirm she's still commissioner, she's still involved, yeah. was a really big, great deal. And I think that it was like the perfect way to start all this to really get Riley back in his headspace for tonight, too. Like, you could, you know, friendly words from someone who you went through battle with yeah. quite a few times is not necessarily a bad thing. And it'll take you farther than you might think. All right, now, something that I did not expect to get tonight, PJ, was an announcement. This is true. And, uh, you know, I wish I was kind of, like, giving a heads up here. I could do a little more prep, but we'll talk about it next week as well, I'm sure, once once Brad gets back. But uh, we did get an announcement of the teams and Star Wars tournaments. I mean, Grace announced this, that this was going to happen. But we actually have the brackets. So let's start with uh, the teams turning real quick. We're just going to go through these real quick. Um, we'll get into we'll get into them more in depth when it gets close to the tournament and, and at a later time. So you see here on the top left, it's Rushmore for the Finstock Exchange. That is John Roca and JTE. What and a team! Be, yeah, I mean, first of all, top ten in the Patriots just have one of the most storied rivalries on top of being lopsided. So, um, very interesting that they're teaming up here. But hey, all is love and war. So. All is fair in love and words, sorry. Uh, but they're going up against the Quirky Mercs, and they're putting out a team called The Press Room that's uh, Perry Nemiroff and Josh Horowitz. So, interesting team up there. Brand new team. And then below them, you see Lightning Time. Uh, Liz Shannon Miller confirmed, along with Sam Levine, in their post-match with Jen, that she is teaming up with Ethan Irwin, and they will be taking on the outsiders of Ben Goddard and Paul Preston. I cannot wait to see that duo. That team scares me yeah I, I mean both of these teams lightning time and the outsiders uh, that's gonna be one hell of a match uh can't wait to see it but then on the top right here moving to the other side of the bracket we have danger zone of ben bateman and dan merle that was confirmed earlier this week that name and they're going up against the midterms of swag that's the swag faction and that consists of jonathan harris and eric zipper i did not see this pair upcoming at all 
No, definitely did not. But it's a very smart pairing, too. I'm very excited. And I think, you know, it makes a little bit more sense since we saw Jonathan Harris pop up in a scene earlier this week with John, with Lon Harris, Chandru, and Laura. So uh, Jonathan Harris is definitely in the mix this season in scenes and in this uh, team's tournament here. Um, all right, and then the bottom right of this bracket here, Deception, you know him, you love him, Marisol McKee and Adam Collins will be taking on uh, Blackjack representing the Stars, and that's a team of Janine the Machine and Rookie, Jacoby Bancroft. I'm very interested with this um, with this team up as well, PJ. Dude, that that one has me so curious because, you know, Jacoby is one guy who people have been talking about for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see him paired and them going up against Deception, who, by the way, Deception being the only like team here that has actually been, you know, solidified is very yeah. interesting as well. Yeah, so uh, in the chat here, the end sin okay uh, says I love the name Rushmore. I think it's a pretty great name as well. I do too. Um, Tim Sim here with the four ninety nine super chat says two super teams in Rushmore and Danger Zone. Lightning Times also a super team in his opinion. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is, is Rushmore a super team? I guess. Yeah. I mean, based I think on pedigree. I was gonna say based on pedigree. I mean, you've got JT obviously. Yeah, who came out as one of the greatest teams champions of all time, and you got Roca, who also was one of the great team champions. Plus, he's had a singles belt, yeah. so I think yeah. I think the pedigree is there. Yeah, um, I just want to say that we're all some feathers because I know it will. Uh, John- oh, I know you will. I just I I don't as <laughs> yeah. the as the yeah. writer, I don't want them coming after me. So oh yeah yeah well um, anyway so uh, here, I just missed it here. It was uh, Jonathan Curdy had another one here. Um, I can't find it, but okay. Well, I think he said something to the effect of, well, I can't actually remember what he said something to the effect of, uh, where is it? Okay. Um, uh, no, that's not it. Um, you know what? I'll probably see it some other time. All right. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for this tournament, these newer teams. And, um, I think this is going to help establish kind of, um, kind of a, a ranking of sorts of where these teams lie, these newer teams, because we kind of got to find this out. And so I think this is kind of a, a more of a glorified path to a number one contender match. Winner does yeah. not get a title shot. They get a shot at a number one contender match. Um, so, and, this, and so this will be, um, I think, very – I think it's a good way to, to get to that point. And I think it's kind of fun because it gives me a little bit of anarchy vibes. Um, a a lot of new teams at the same time, you know, like we're getting a lot of new blood, like right away, even if it's people you recognize and know it's mixed up in a way that you're not used to seeing packaged. I think that's neat. Yeah. Um, all right. So, but then there was another tournament, uh, star Wars tournament. And here's, here's this, uh, bracket, Marie Wilson, talk, talk, the top left here, Marie Wilson, the usual suspects will be taking on gold leader of the Finstock exchange. Now we saw the debut that gold leader had missed just one question. Marie Wilson missed a few more. We missed about three questions in her match. So, and she's a dragon con player, dragon con champion, uh, last year. So gold leader is going to get his shot at a dragon con player here in this tournament. First round. We'll see what, uh, both of these players can do when they go head to head below them here on the lower left, Zach Burkett of the stars facing Adam Witt of the Dungeon. Adam Witt getting right back in the Star Wars division, going up against Zach Burkett, who is another Dragon Con player. Um, 
very curious about this match. Very curious to see DragonCon players play in the showdown. You move over to the right side of the bracket. Andres Cabrera repping Swag, the last year's tournament winner of this same number of players. And he's facing Sean Sullivan of Corruption. I know Sean Sullivan's got to be absolutely salivating at this at this opportunity to to take down Ace, the tournament winner of last year, and rep Corruption. Um, this is a really intriguing matchup. But I think the one that probably might be the most intriguing here, PJ, is the bottom right here, Thomas Harper of the Den. He's taking on the Corkingworks very own Eric Whiteley from Blind Wave. This is Blind Wave versus Dragon Con. Um, talk to me, PJ, about which match are you looking forward to most? So the one I'm very, very curious about is Harper and Eric Whiteley, just because those two guys have been hyped up there, you know, for a very long time. So I'm very curious how these two are going to come to play, especially against each other. But Andreas Cabrera going up against Sean Sullivan is hard to overlook, um, especially because Sean has time and again showed like great strength as a player. But Andreas went on a run last year. So would Sean be able to overtake Andreas in this to further himself into that next round? I'm very curious. Yeah, I mean... Uh, honestly, all these matches are very interesting because three of them have Dragon Con players. I just want to see how they play. And then the Sean Sullivan Andres Cabrera match is all kind. I mean, like I think Sean Sullivan still has something. Like he feels like he's still got to prove. Andres Cabrera still might feel like you know the lack of respect is going to feel him at least a little bit to prove you know the doubters wrong. Um, and I'm sure he's salivating at the chance to take Sean Sullivan to Upset City. So yeah. it's going to be a hell of a you know uh, tournament here, and this is just the first of a supposed two tournaments. Yes, yeah. you know. And I was no... gonna, I was going to comment because I see the chat has brought it up. They're like these yeah. tournaments seem small, but that's because we're doing two of each, from what we have right. been led to believe. So yeah, they're small now because they're the first part of a bigger story, essentially. Yeah, and and this is something I actually I clarified with Christian, and I think he also put this information out there that because people were wondering for this team's tournament, will it would Shazam and Final Exam be eligible for this tournament? And the the the, the answer was no. But when the second one comes around, because that's the one that's going to lead to the road to spectacular, basically. A hundred. If they're if they're if neither team's the champion at that point, they're definitely going to be eligible for that tournament. And the Star Wars tournament, yeah, you don't see. Laura Kelly, Molly. I mean, Laura Kelly obviously has a title shot, but anybody like Joseph Scrimshaw, um, you're looking at like a John Hoey, who's not up there, Lacey Gillerin, right? Um, you're looking at possibly Alex Damon, possibly Andrew DeLonza, possibly Laura Kelly, you know, these other players um, that have played in the league for a while. Um, you know, Molly Damon, not in this tournament, but that's because there's going to be a second one. Now, will that be an 8 or a 16? I don't know, but you know, there's going to be a second tournament for teams for Star Wars. So just because they're not in these tournaments right now does not mean they will not be in uh, a, the second tournament. So Correct. just going to make sure that's that's laid to rest out there, PJ. Yeah, man. I mean, look, you said it best. And again, I'm just excited. There's a lot of interesting pair-ups in all of these, whether it's the team's tournament, whether it's the Star Wars tournament. There's a lot to look forward to, and we're still very early on in this season. This is season eight. And you guys have seen some crazy stuff already. It's just getting started. Absolutely. And with that, I think we're gonna we're gonna close out the show tonight. Um, it was a hell of hell of a night 
um, hell of an event, hell of a day, really. With three, we had three showdown so, matches. Yeah, man. Um, it was all matches were fantastic for various reasons. The cutscenes, the scenes that we got today, um, funny and and, and so good, man. And heartfelt yeah. as well. I mean, that Clark Wolf, Mark Riley one, I, I really miss seeing Wolves of Steel. That one really got to me um, as a fan of both of these players, both of those players, and well, fan of those people, those people. Absolutely. Um, BJ, what's uh, what other stuff are you working on besides the showdown? Tell the people out there what you got going on. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PJ underscore Campbell, and you can find me over at the PJ Campbell Network. <laughs> we do watch longs, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier reviews, all sorts of stuff. Come over, hang out. We'd love to have you guys. We just celebrated our big one-year anniversary over there. It's been a lot of fun. And, of course, here at the Movie Trivia Showdown, I write the questions, be nice to the writers, we're only human. <laughs> That's quite a slogan. Um, uh, I am Frank Janish. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at FrankieJ29. Uh, go follow Stats by Numbers on Twitter. I'm put, putting up box scores and faction standings as soon as I possibly can for these matches. Um, we'll be back next week. Brad Gimler should be here unless he's got other things to do. Um, You're but so until cool, then, Brad. <laughs> but until then, this has been the Schmodown Rundown, and we will see you next week.